Welcome to the Unhooked Podcast, hosted by author, writer, and recovery advocate, Annie Highwater. This is a podcast of real conversations and true stories from those who have been affected by and overcome adversity. Each episode will tell real, raw, sometimes unbelievable stories, opening up the lives of a variety of guests, as well as your host. You will hear stories of despair, recovery, and triumph from people who have risen from or are making their way through wilderness experiences. The goal of the Unhooked podcast is to take a deep, productive look into topics related to addiction, alcoholism, grief, mental and emotional health, family dysfunction, codependency, conflict, and other types of affliction. The good, the bad, the dramatic, the real-life stuff that all of us face. You will hear wisdom and hope from people who are fighters, who fought to persevere through bewildering circumstances and difficult obstacles. You can contact Annie by emailing annieunhooked at gmail.com. And now, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Unhooked Podcast. Coming back this time with the, an interesting subject, I guess we could call it managing Eeyore or dealing with woe is me attitudes. I was listening to some parents talk recently about their son not being in the healthiest place right now. So every time they speak with him, it seems to be woe is me worst case scenario, always a crisis going on, always a flat tire, out of gas, conflict with girlfriend, always something terrible, never good news, never I resolved something, things like that. And we all go through seasons. And if you've dealt with somebody who has a drug or alcohol struggle in their life, a lot of times that is par for the course. It brings along certain behaviors. The woe is me mentality isn't specific only to drug and alcohol use. We can all certainly know personalities that tend to be mostly negative. That is definitely true. So that said, I wanted to highlight a couple of things I pulled from those conversations and a recovery meeting and some concepts from my book, Unbroken. That's one of my favorite books to quote by of my own personal work because it's taken from blogs and journal entries that I collected over time from experiences in therapy, talking to therapists who are friends, other family members and friends in the rooms of recovery, things like that. True life experience of what worked, what helped, what failed, things like that. So anyway, one of the things when you are managing somebody who chronically calls you with bad news or problems and has that dark cloud hanging over them is that it's important to note that often our first instinct is to triage their problems for them. I read a quote recently where somebody had said, if my friend or my wife or my mom or somebody comes to me looking to vent about a problem, it's always healthiest to ask, are you looking for solutions? Are you looking for comfort? Or are you looking to be heard? Because making that clear makes it a lot easier to not jump the gun and begin to give advice or criticism or judgment or try to solve the problem yourself. So those are some great questions to ask. It's important to have methods in place when you're dealing with things that might trigger you to not the healthiest behavior. One thing that we hear a lot in the rooms and in therapy settings is to focus on response versus reaction. If you put some distance between the stimulus and your response to it, a lot of times wisdom can enter in. If you immediately shoot from the hip or jump right into whatever the problem or situation is, whatever the negativity is, whatever the complaint might be, Sometimes you can become a part of the problem or take problems onto yourself that you don't need to. So taking a pause, time to think, maybe a few seconds or even a few days, however long you need, 
to put space and separation and logic between stimulus and response is really, really healthy. Another rule of hand that I find helpful is don't do for others what they can do for themselves or what maybe their higher power is responsible for doing. We're not anybody's fixer or rescuer or savior. There's a Bible verse I've always liked that says, we are all called to bear one another's burdens and shoulder our own load. We're not meant to carry anybody through life, maybe just through a time or come alongside and be a support and an encouragement for a season, but we're not meant to carry anybody else's lives. Don't do for others what they can do for themselves. I remember there was a season of my life where I took breaks from the phone, from all my devices, and I would shut them off for two hours every day and take a walk, take a nap, go write, go do something that wasn't connected in any way to contact, communication, or social media. It was so healthy, and I I tend to revert back to that still. But during that time, I was in a bad place with a family member who I had a lot of conflict with. And a lot of those arguments would start out with a request for me to do something for them or give something to them. And if my response was not what they were looking for, there would immediately be pressure, backlash, and conflict, and then often insult. So one of those days that I had taken a break from my phone, I took a walk and when I came back, I waited until the two hours were up, turned the phone back on and it started dinging with text notifications. So I went back through all of them and I saw our entire process play out in text that I had missed. Hi, hey, how are you doing? Are you busy? What's going on? You there, are you gonna answer? Well, I was wondering if you might be able to give me a ride and maybe a couple of bucks for some groceries Okay, so you're not going to respond. That's cool. You're selfish anyway. And then it got really nasty and insulting. And it went on for several texts. I was shocked scrolling up through these. And then finally it ended with, hey, sorry, I just got frustrated. I worked it out on my own. Hope you're doing all right. Love you. And it was so amusing in a way that was tragic to me that that whole process played out. But had my phone been turned on, I would have in some way participated, probably not in the healthiest way because I wasn't as strong back then. And I would have given my answer and been locked horns and caught in the argument of the situation. So it was just, I never forgot that experience of stepping away from a problem. A lot of times problems sort themselves out and work themselves out if, you know, especially if I don't jump right in with my own panic and urgency. My dad used to tell me when I was a teenager and learning to drive that If I hit ice in my car, the best thing to do was let go of the steering wheel when it was starting to swerve and it would straighten itself out. And he said, and you can apply that to situations in life too. When things start to spiral and spin out of control, let go of them for a while and let them straighten themselves out, take a breath. And so I try to apply that. There's something really powerful about putting space and putting breath and putting a pause on a problem or on a stimulus, or on a situation, or somebody coming to you with one. It's helpful to be aware of emotion versus logic. I had a therapist tell me one time that you don't want to be out of balance in wisdom, I'm sorry, in logic to to the far end of logic, because then you are cold and without emotion, and you can be digital. And you don't want to be caught up too much in emotion, because that never makes good decisions. But if you're somewhere right in the middle, finding balance between emotion and logic, and just enough of both, you're typically walking in healthy wisdom. And I never forgot that either, because I definitely don't want to be just reactive and emotionally led at all times. That's never good. And that always gets me in trouble, especially if it's a situation where I've been triggered for some reason. I don't want to just pop off. 
I want to try to work on mindfulness, which was one of the big, one of the big factors that was discussed when dealing with somebody's woe is me mentality or chronic problems is that when we work on our mindfulness and really it's about awareness, what am I feeling? What am I triggered by? What am I motivated to do? Why am I getting involved because it's the right thing to do? Because I should, because I have to, because I believe I have to, because I'll feel guilty if I don't, because I don't want this person mad at me, because I want them to like me more, be nicer to me or love me more. All of those things are questions that we often don't take the time to ask. But if we do, so much is revealed to us about ourselves, about what needs healed, and even about the relationship with the person. There's another tool that we have been given in the rooms, and it is the four don'ts. And it was, I believe, don't do anything because you feel sorry for somebody. Don't do anything because you are pressured, I believe. Don't do anything they can do for themselves. And don't do anything you don't want to do. And I have that on my Any High Water Recovery page. You can email me if you'd like a list of that. I've had a post about it before. Sometimes having a filter to question things through and kind of stop and again, take a pause and be a thinker helps us not jump into those wrong decisions that end up, we're way off course in thinking, how in the world did I get here? Another thing is that our responses don't have to be mean You can tell a truth that you don't want to do something or maybe you don't want to hear complaining today or again or for a while or hear about problems or help with problems or be involved in drama or situations like that. You can make those things clear or even don't give a lot of explanation. It doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be an argument. You don't have to shout things through a megaphone to get your point across. It doesn't always have to be conflict. It can just be a quiet response and remove yourself and continue on in peace. Recovery is about growing up, and these are the areas where we do it. When there's a nagging feeling inside, or a hasty feeling, an upset, pressury feeling in a situation or in a conversation with someone, that is a red flag going off. That is a dashboard light saying, something is wrong, proceed with caution, or don't proceed at all. Those are certainly things to pay attention to. I have found and been in, you know, informed in the rooms that when we maintain conscious contact with God, who God is to us, for me, it's God of the Bible, the Christian God. When I stay in conscious contact with that, that sense of peace, I tend to know when I'm veering off course. That's a helpful thing to foundationally come back to. I think it's really important to go easy on yourself and remember it's all a learning process. When you're dealing with dysfunction or somebody whose behavior is erratic and risky, perhaps dealing with substance abuse, that's a really unique problem. Up is down, right is left. It is opposite world and none of the normal things that we've been raised to believe or trained to believe about loving, helping, being in relationship to someone tend to work. Being Sometimes being selfless can get you in trouble. Helping people can sometimes hurt them and hinder their progress. So it's all really a matter of as you go, it's a learning curve. So go easy on yourself. Recognize what isn't your fault or responsibility. Sometimes people who are wanting relief and to offset their energy, their negativity, their worries and complaints, a lot of times they're looking for someone to blame. I don't know if you've ever had somebody call you with a problem and before you know it, they're blaming you for it or just taking it out on you. It's a good thing to step back and put space on that and recognize 
this is not my fault. This is not my responsibility. This is not my misery. It's not my problem to solve. I can love this person, but I got to be healthy and at peace. So I have to put distance on that problem. And again, let go of that steering wheel and let it sort itself out. Because really, one thing to remember is when it comes to behavior like this, it's really not about good or bad. It's about being healthy. It's about healthy versus unhealthy. We don't need to identify patterns and cycles of behavior as we're learning different ways to respond to them or trying to get healthier and stronger and wiser by looking at somebody as good or bad. It's really about being as healthy as possible and who and what is healthy and who and what is not healthy and making adjustments accordingly. We honestly can't know what's best or what the solution all the time is for someone else's life anyway. So if we have someone who is on the regular calling us to dump their problems on us, expecting us to have wisdom, answers, advice, solutions, money, gas mileage, whatever the case may be, again, it comes back to bear others' burdens, be an encouragement and a loving support, but don't carry anyone's load. Don't do for anyone what they can do for themselves because really you deprive them of the dignity of getting the victory of their of the for themselves. When someone can accomplish even small goals or solve a, you know, a slight problem or begin accomplishing things task by task, every time they do that, it builds a little bit more strength for the next situation. And that's a process we all need to go through. Stepping in and interrupting the, con- the consequences, interrupting the work that needs to be done and the solutions does no one favors, especially if we're doing it all the time every day, every time there's a situation. And if somebody is badgering you, I know how difficult that can be if you've got badgering and guilt trips and manipulation and harassing, or maybe it's just they come at you and work on your sympathy. That can be hard, but we still have to do what's right. Somebody else's bad mood or being mad at us, it's going to fade away we still have to do what's right. At least I do because I want to be healthy and I want to have peace. I don't want to just appease the situation to avoid somebody's anger or bad mood or sulking because that never ends. There's a Bible verse that says, if you rescue an angry, angry man, you'll just have to do it again and again and again. So I try not to let badgering or hounding make my decisions. A therapist had said to me one time, when you are in a bad mood or have a really bad feeling about something um, that's happened, or you're dealing with somebody else that's putting off those vibes of bad moods and they're mad at you for some reason, you still have to do what's right and understand that that bad mood's going to fade. She compared it to if you clean up dog poop or change a diaper. The room that you've cleaned it up in, if it's happened in the house, you might have everything all cleaned up, but for a while, that smell is still going to be there. And it takes a while for it to fade. That's how it goes when we have those bad vibes and bad energy. Still have to do what's right. It doesn't always feel good. Sometimes we might feel selfish or guilty or like we're doing wrong if we're choosing to do what's right. The healthiest choice isn't always the feel-good choice. But we have to be mindful and aware, logical, and think it through and do what is healthiest for everyone. In my book, Unbroken, I have a chapter about despair and about overcoming the waves of it. And you know, it's been said to me before that people can get into a mindset when they're negative that they see everything as worst case scenario. They approach you like their hair's on fire. So the best thing is if somebody approaches you as if their hair's on fire, unless their hair really is on fire, don't respond like it is. Step back and deal with things accordingly from a place of peace. When I 
dealt with some situations of adversity and negativity myself, I started looking at them as not just problems to solve, but almost an adventure of projects to where I've got it. How am I going to look at this? I'm going to look at it like if I can solve this and get through this and set a goal in the midst of it, there's reward around the corner. I have definitely discovered that we, that feelings come and go, they rise and fall, and they do appear and subside. But resisting, denying, avoiding, or attempting to numb them will only postpone peace. They have less power over us when we face them head on, and we do what is healthiest and best. And a lot of times facing them head on requires that pause. So just to recap, our first instincts when somebody comes to us with, woe is me, I've got another problem, another crisis, everything's terrible, negativity, is that our first thought is wrong because often our first thought is to immediately give advice, solve the problem, or fix it. Sometimes the person may be experiencing clinical depression. They may need medical treatment or to see their doctor or to go practice recovery on their own or see a therapist. It's not chronically our job to solve somebody else's problem or to shoulder their load, even if we want to bear their burdens and love and encourage them. Sharpening our awareness and mindfulness is really the way to go. It's really the key to knowing how to respond. Um, I learned the craft method and I have practiced that for a few years. I can, I've written some of that on my page and I've got some blogs about it. If you want to message me, I can send you things about it. It's, a, it's community reinforcement and family training. And the goal of it is to, again, drop the weapons and learn better ways to respond when you are engaging with a person who is maybe dysfunctional, maybe high conflict, maybe they have a drug or an alcohol issue and everything is chaotic and toxic and miserable. Sharpening our awareness and our mindfulness and doing things on purpose, being thinkers, being intentional can save the day. Don't accept blame. Learn that wherever blame and shame exist, that is not a healthy space. We can't know what's best for somebody else's life. And besides that, I think that we misjudge oftentimes the situation and how it's meant to be used in their lives. We're not the higher power. Sometimes there's a plan for their life and it might involve some disruption and some discomfort. I heard somebody say in the rooms before that judgment doesn't just pertain to judging people. We're not supposed to judge people as good or bad. It's about healthy or unhealthy. We can't always know what a situation is or what the outcome is going to be. So judging that is really not our place. Maybe somebody's got a couple of miserable things they're dealing with, difficult things, problems at work or debts they need to pay off. But we don't know that that may not be the awakening that they need or just the strength they need to develop as they work it out. We can't always know. Sometimes a bad situation in somebody's life ends up being the doorway to the best of their life. We've often heard of somebody that's had a heart attack or a health diagnosis or maybe a spouse leave them or something miserable happened in their life, a job loss, and it ended up inspiring them to launch forward into weight loss, running a marathon, starting a new healthy relationship, starting the business they always dreamed of. We don't know what's best for somebody else's life and we cannot predict outcomes. Judging them, trying to control them, trying to exert everything in the direction of a specific outcome makes us crazy too, makes us wild-eyed and unhealthy. I think that's just an area that we really need to heal and practice growth in. Badgering moods fade. Remember, they're like cleaning up a dirty diaper. It may just take a while before you don't smell them anymore. Don't respond to hair on fire unless hair really is on fire. 
And if you notice, a lot of times the woe is me types don't call you with solutions or to tell you victories they've accomplished and things they've overcome. Maybe kindly and tactfully start implying that or suggesting that because people feel good about themselves when they're accomplishing. They don't really feel good about themselves when they owe you or you get their accomplishment for them, even if it might seem to be relief for them, accomplishing on their own. So maybe directing in that direction. And when it all comes down to it, in the midst of struggle like that and trying to figure out problems of our own is difficult enough, but let alone for someone else's. I remember years ago, I had been I had had a difficult summer where it seemed to be one thing after another went wrong and I was worried about a car that kept breaking down over and over and over. I'd get one thing fixed, another thing would fall apart, I'd break down on the freeway. It was just a struggle and it was stressful, unpredictable. You never plan for that kind of money to be spent or needed. And a, a pastor friend had said to me, you've done everything you can do. You have struggled it out and worried and walked the floor and done the math and tried to come up with every solution possible. You're at a point now where it's out of your hands. Whatever happens, happens. I've always remembered those three words. I've always come back to that when I am in intense struggle and I let go, surrender, and usually breakthrough is right after that point where I stop the struggle and let whatever happens, happen. If we have a process for filtering what we allow ourselves to go through or be involved in, it's really helpful so that we're not just caught off guard or ambushed. Don't just let life happen to you have steps in place. Allow yourself to pause where you can at least think and come up with steps and methods and maybe ask yourself, is this situation, is me getting involved and participating going to make my life chaotic or even unmanageable? How close do I want to get to this fire? I might love this person. I might feel terribly sorry for them. I might not want them to be mad at me. They might have a lot of problems when they're angry and I'm afraid of that. Whatever the emotional case might be, what's the logical healthiest thing to do because when you do what's best for you it ultimately ends up being what's best for the greater good of everyone if you know you're a healthy person you're not selfish or abusive or criminal truly if you do what's best for you it ends up being what's best for everyone and that again is just a learning process it is a process there's no real right or wrong what's right for me may not be right for someone else and what works for me this week not to be confusing, but it may not be what works next week. I may want to help someone this week, but next week it may not feel right for me. So it's really about practicing mindfulness and being engaged with your sense of peace. No one size fits all answers, definitely. And then I ask myself, a lot of times when I'm having these chronic conversations with someone who always seems to have something pulling them down, is this a problem or is it a pattern? That's another good question to put in the middle of that pause. That said, I don't know if any of you have an Eeyore of your own or somebody who calls you or comes to you with worst case scenarios or even chronic crisis to crisis, problems, needs, worries, whatever, and dumps them on you or complains to you, but it doesn't feel good. So there are things we can do if you wanna read the book on broken, look through some of those chapters. There's good hints and tips from experts and therapists. You are welcome to join my page, Annie on Annie Highwater, recovery writer on Facebook. I update it often. I send blogs out and things like that. I'm not always able to get back to people immediately, but I do get back to every person. So you are welcome to message me. And I hope this has been helpful. Until next time, I wish you well. You have been listening to the Unhook Podcast. 
Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode by the guests belong solely to the guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the host or any affiliated organization or institution. Annie's books, Unhooked and Unbroken, can be found in Amazon, Cokesbury, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold. You can find her work by searching Annie Highwater on Facebook. If you have enjoyed the Unhooked podcast, please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. We hope you'll keep coming back to listen to the Unhooked podcast.